Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 6th. Clemson's playing its first national championship in three and a half decades. For every one person betting on Clemson in Vegas, you got 10 betting on Bama, but life is still good. Guys, thank you for joining us. This is our national championship preview podcast. Um, We're going to break down this matchup against the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Clemson Tigers. Before we get into that, um, Clemson's had some success of late on the hardwood, and Ben is here to tell you all about it. Yeah, kudos to the men's basketball team. A uh, 74-73 win against Syracuse on um, uh, the other night. Um, really, you know, really proud of those guys. We talked a lot about they had a pretty bad beginning to the year. I mean, a bad uh, out-of-conference uh, schedule. They didn't really beat anybody of note. And now we come into the ACC schedule, and all of a sudden we play a really tight game, or at least a close game against uh, North Carolina in Chapel Hill. And then we beat here, uh, what, Florida State at home and Syracuse on the road. So he's starting 2-1 in ACC play. And one thing you can say about Brad Brunel, his teams have played tough in ACC play. So we talked about it a little bit last time. You know, what's it take for him to keep his job this year? You know, with his buyout and his contract, he's got a pretty easy in unless he loses the team. I think if he does well in the ACC, and he started good so far, especially going with these next five games against ranked opponents, this is huge. I would just like to see consistency and improvement over the rest of the season, and I'll be pretty happy with how it ends up. And listen, we have a shot now to be 500, and I think that's any as good as anybody can ask for. For our listeners who are joining us for the first time, or you're really just getting into the, the podcast here, um, in addition to breaking down Clemson athletics from all angles, um, we also like to talk about what beer we're drinking uh, when we record. So um, Ben has selected a fine ale from Oregon. What are we drinking tonight, Ben? Well, I've actually got two here from Bend, Oregon. Apparently Bend is a pretty good beer spot. Um, but the first one, uh, what's it, Deschutes? 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 Deschutes. Deschutes. Um, it's their 2015 release Fresh Hop IPA featuring Lemon Drop Hops. Uh it's really good. Uh, Chasing Freshies is the name of it. That's an interesting name. Uh, like fresh powder, skiing. Uh, oh, it has reference. to do with skiing. I guess I don't know a lot about that. I'm from South Carolina. I never skied a lot. Uh, but anyways, I'm getting my fill of, of quality beer in here before we head out to Phoenix because there's going to be a lot of drinking with the tailgate and everything. And I'm going to stick to really crappy low alcohol content beer um, all day on Monday because I want to remember every moment of that game. Very good. Um, well, we're here really to break down this Alabama matchup <clears throat> and to look look back at our opponent. Um, everyone is very familiar with the accolades of Alabama. To break those down really quickly, they finished the season 13-1, and went 7-1 and in SEC play. Um, they took home the SEC title and the Cotton Bowl versus Michigan State in the first leg of the college football playoff this year. Their only loss, as you guys might remember, was back really in late September Right after we beat Louisville, um, they lost at home to Ole Miss by a score of 43-37, to which is really a gaudy total for any type of Alabama game if you look at their schedule and, and the results. That one really sticks out like a sore thumb as an aberration. We'll get into in a little bit why it actually was an aberration um, looking at that game. But um, you know, there's not, a, not a really a ton of dominant performances from this Alabama team if you look at um, the entirety of the year. I mean, I think they're... Uh, <laughs> taking away um, really the, the Michigan State game where they, they completely blew that team off the map. Um, really, there were, there were a lot of games that they played close throughout the first half and ultimately kind of the, the Nick Saban, boa constrictor type um, team that they've put together in their approach really squeezed the life out of opponents in the second half. Um, looking back at games that I, I personally watched, 
I can remember that Auburn game for one, Florida for another, where these are within pretty much one score at halftime. And, you know, kind of being a, not an Alabama hater necessarily, but, a te- you know, someone who likes chaos happening elsewhere in the country, um, you always thought like, man, there might be some hope for these teams. And really there, there just wasn't. Um, so while we haven't seen very many blowouts in their schedule, I think Alabama certainly is a very capable opponent for Clemson um, coming into this game. Right. I think in terms of not, them not blowing teams out, they played really, really well in a lot of games. They beat Georgia by a great margin. Like you said, Florida. Um, the Tennessee game was a little bit tight. Ole Miss, they lost. They did have a few up and downs, you know, but towards the end, they just got better and better. And how, how, how good is Georgia, really? How good is Florida? I know they won the SEC East, but the SEC East is terrible. Yeah, that's they, true. I think you could say they're both like, they beat, deeply flawed teams. They, they beat Tennessee at home 19-14. to 14. Tennessee is a terrible football team. They're just not good. I mean, I, w- I would put Tennessee in the upper third of the SEC, you know, looking at advanced stats, that kind of thing. They, they played their toughest opponents very close um, and won a number of their, you know, other contests going away um, and blew those teams out. So um, anyway, I mean, we, let's get back to Alabama. I think they... They lost to Oklahoma. Tennessee, Tennessee did. did. Certainly. And that was at home after giving up a 17-point lead. Um, and they needed overtime to, to lose that game. But getting back to Alabama, guys, I mean, I think this is by far going to be the – they're the number one team statistically in the country. This is going to be Clemson's hardest challenge. Really, you could say this season and for a very long time here, possibly going back to Florida State in 2013, maybe even all the way back to Alabama when we faced them in 2008 to start that season. Um, so let me ask you guys maybe a provocative question here. Clemson, according to the pollsters, according to the College Football Playoff Committee, we're the number one team in the country. We finished undefeated. Um, you know, certainly the stats supported us all year, but the stats also favored Alabama down the stretch. They ended the year in the S&P Plus rankings number one. Um, they only had that one loss, and they've looked dominant in November, December, coming into this game. Who do you guys have as the number one team in the country? Or the best team in the country. Forget about number one. Who's the best team? I'm gonna go with Alabama, and it, by by a small margin, not not necessarily like a seven point margin, because they they put away teams. I think, in my opinion, the way they should have put away teams. Clemson, I think Oklahoma is really the the first complete game they played all year. I think Clemson was excellent against Notre Dame, but that ended up being a close game. We didn't finish. I think we've proven on all levels of our of the team, every position group, that we can be very good. In some cases, dominant. But Alabama's proven it. They, they have several position groups where they're, like I've said it before, they're historically good. Um, I give them a, a slight edge. They don't have the dynamic playmaker or the playmaker like we have in Deshaun Watson. Aside from that. But listen, yeah. Clemson's proven it too. They've gone on undefeated all year. Listen, yes, we've, we've played some close games against bad teams, but so has Alabama. We mentioned Tennessee. They played Arkansas close. Tennessee's not a bad team. They, they are a bad team. Who have they beaten? Look at their schedule this year. Who has Tennessee beaten? Tennessee has, they lost to Florida by one. Florida is not a good football team. They lost to Arkansas by four. Arkansas is not a good football team. They did lose to Alabama. They lost to Oklahoma, who we annihilated in, the, in, in the Orange We're Bowl. breaking down Tennessee. Yeah, like, what about Alabama? I'm just saying, I mean, this is a comparison. They played them close. I'm saying Tennessee is not a great football team. I'm saying Clemson, yes, has played uh, close games against not good teams. So has Alabama. The difference, Alabama has does have one loss on their schedule. Clemson doesn't. So Clemson has proven that they are the best team this year. They have the best quarterback in the country. They have a top 10 defense. They have one of the best offenses in the country. We stack up very well. Alabama, make no mistakes about it, is a great football team. This will be Clemson's biggest test of the year by far. I think these are the 
clearly the top two teams in the country. I can understand for both sides of the table the debate on who's number one. In my mind, is Clemson until proven otherwise. Guys, let me stop you right there. Um, good discussion for sure, and we will definitely get into why we think either team is better than the other and what we think is actually going to play out in this game. First, though, I'd like to tell our listeners about our podcast sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls all the sports and concert ticket buying and selling options from other ticket sites into one spot to save you time and money on attending events. SeatGeek has an algorithm that knows the fair market value of every ticket, and they use that information to show you the best deals and help you find underpriced seats to your favorite music concerts or sporting events at nationwide venues. Um, if you have tickets you can't use, SeatGeek will help you price your tickets on their site so you can quickly sell them to another fan. Um, if you bought some extra tickets to the national championship game and you want to get rid of those quickly, SeatGeek can do the work for you. Um, they've got the lowest fees of any ticketing site out there. There's some others out there that basically commit highway robbery um, when you're trying to buy or sell tickets. That is not SeatGeek. They give you the best deal possible. Um, they all you should always show you the full price up front, so you're never, never kind of underpriced um, when you're looking at a ticket. Um, good news, if you're a listener to this podcast, you get a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. Um, to get that, you visit SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app, set up your account, um, and visit the Settings tab where you'll input promo code PODCAST. And once you've made your first purchase, they will send you a $20 rebate. So uh, just a reminder there, for the best um, ticket prices to music events and sporting events, visit SeatGeek, and don't forget that promo code PODCAST. And we've seen, I've actually seen us uh, tickets to the national championship game on SeatGeek lower than face value at about $377. So, you know, if you're thinking of making that last minute trip or you haven't secured tickets yet, but you got your flight or your hotel, um, take a look at SeatGeek for sure. So, guys, when we look ahead to this matchup, um, you talked about, you know, who, reasons for, you know, legitimacy of either of these teams to be here. Um, but I want to talk about the key matchups in this game. What is going to determine the outcome of this game? And I, I personally think we need to start where the last game ended off for Clemson against Oklahoma, where we won that game based on our line play. And if Clemson is to have any type of shot at beating Alabama, we need to get as good, if not better, of a performance out of not only our defensive line, who did a great job missing Shaq Lawson in that game, uh, containing Baker Mayfield, creating pressure, which we really need to get against Jake Coker and stopping um, Derrick Henry up the middle, but also on our offensive line. Alabama's got what Cody's referred to as a historic front seven. Um, I think line play and play in the trenches is really going to determine the outcome of this game. Yeah, and I, I watched a couple of replays, the Tennessee game, the Ole Miss game, and the MSU game. Um, and Ben, I think you said the same thing. You can't help but watch their, their front seven because they're so dominant. It, it almost looks like there's like two Grady Jarrett's and a and a Daquan Bowers that just get through right through the offensive line. Like like they're all, it seems like they're untouched. They they're get beast. Aggressively pursue the quarterback and I think Deshaun Watson, maybe for the first time in a while, in this game he might get hit more than he's gotten hit probably in the last five games put together. Yeah, I mean this is gonna be similar at least across the front four, I would say, to the BC. Uh, defense. If I had to compare it to anything, I don't think uh, BC's secondary is as good as Alabama's. But BC's front four, they have a really good defense, and it's going to be tough to run in this game against Alabama. And I think even on both sides of the ball, I mean, we talked about how our, our lines were able to dominate against Oklahoma. Make no mistake, Alabama's much better on both lines than Oklahoma is. 
you know, from what I saw, it's not just about it's going to be difficult to establish a run game. You you just can't run in between the tackles against against Alabama. You can try to establish that the run game to keep them honest, but that, th- those gaps just don't open. Those holes don't open. Yeah, I, I think this is going to have to be a situation very similar to the Boston College game uh, where we just go in with a game plan of throwing the ball, and it was successful in that game. I don't think it can be one of those situations where we've seen at certain times this year where we've committed to the run and maybe it didn't work early on, uh, but we kept going to it and eventually it started to open up. This, this defense is a completely different animal. You're going to have to scheme unless, unless things are opening up up the middle with Wayne Gallman early in the game, then I think we, we're going to need a great plan to fall back on uh, to pass on these guys because we're not going to be able to run. I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult to run. Well, what, if, you, if you're right now in the war room, you're Tony Elliott um, and Jeff Scott, what is plan A? Like, what is your initial, like, first two series, we've got to do X on offense? It, you know, beyond the obvious of move the chains, get first downs, put up points on the scoreboard. You know, what, what aspect, what type of play calling are you, are you pushing forward? Is it to try to establish a run game up the middle, knowing that that might be an exercise in futility? Is it trying to nibble at the edges there? Or do you try to go deep balls early, spread out, you know, that, that defense horizontally um, I, I think spread? I think the number one thing, and this is really what crippled uh, Michigan State, is that if you let Bama... Uh, get consistent pressure with only their front four and they lo- they can drop everybody else into coverage, it's going to be a very long night for you. A very long night on both sides of the ball because if your offense yep. has a bunch of three and outs, then your defense is going to be on the field and tired. They will eventually wear you down there. Well, and what, so, what that does is effectively, that means, all right, they've got four coming up the middle, then they've got their linebackers and, cut. you know, basically they'll keep seven in the box. Then they can drop seven. Yeah. Drop seven. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... What are you going to do to disrupt that? What are you going to do to keep them honest, bring more guys up? I mean, is that – do you do that by, by trying to run Wayne Gallman? Are you doing design runs by Deshaun Watson? Are you telling Deshaun, we're going to pass the ball, but if it's not there, scramble? I, I think he's got to be careful with the scrambling. If you remember back to the LSU game, which that, was, that defense was comparable in terms of their physicality, Taj Boyd took so many hits – and I, I just don't think he was a little bit, you know, just his build a little bit tougher than, than Sean Watson. I, I'm worried about that. That's kind of that worries me. So I think you kind of limit the design runs just for his health. But Alabama's defense has a history of not uh, doing so well against mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Michigan State was such a good uh, matchup for them because one, Michigan State has a terrible offense. Go back and look at Michigan State's schedule over the course of the year. Um, yeah, they only now lost two games. So look at their wins. They're really close margins against really bad teams. Um, but they have a terrible offense, and they have an immobile quarterback. Uh, so Clemson's offense is a completely different animal. It could be probably would, – would we say it's the best offense that they've seen all year? I th- yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, I think the two other high-powered offenses they faced in Texas A&M and Ole Miss obviously yeah. put points up. And, and we and- talked about that Ole Miss game. And let's not kid ourselves. The reason Ole Miss won that game at Alabama is because Alabama lost the turnover battle five to zero. Right. It was five turnovers. And they also had, were the beneficiary of two miraculous plays. One of one of which will probably be an all time play. Uh, that the Chad Kelly falling back, just throwing it to nowhere, and then it ends up in the receiver's hands. <laughs> and it doesn't get. And it doesn't get to that point if there aren't those five turnovers. So let's keep that in mind. Their loss is due to just five turnovers, not to them being the worst team on the field. But when we talk about scheme and something that I had, I had feared Oklahoma was going to bring to the table um, against Clemson was rolling Baker Mayfield out and trying to move the move the position of the pocket, 
Um, that's something that you see from the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson all the time. Johnny Manziel did that at Texas A&M. The ability to make plays and, and read defenses and throw on the run is something that we, we have seen in spots from Deshaun Watson. I don't think you've seen um, repetitive you know, play calling there where we, get, we try to move the pocket and you can, you can eliminate part of that Alabama front, leave them on the opposite side of the play, um, and try to get some type of like numbers matchup or numbers advantage there. That's something they might want, might want to consider. Right, and I think, I mean, there's going to be some aggressive pursuit by the Alabama guys. And I think, you know, you're talking about the NFL, the guys from Solid Verbal were saying this is going to be a situation where Deshaun Watson's going to have to make NFL-level plays in order for Clemson to win. And I couldn't agree more because I think he's, going to, he's had to prove it all year with really his legs and his arm has been, you know, not, not necessarily um, his second tool by any means, but he hasn't had to be spectacular. Um, in this game, I think he will. Well, thank goodness he's an NFL-level quarterback. Um, Listen, if we talked about Deshaun Watson's running ability, it has been a key uh, factor and focus of this Clemson offense all year long. I mean, we rack up 300 yards rushing. You look in the last game, it's like 150 Gallman. Uh, it's 150 um, Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this game, uh, going back to their pressure that comes from their front four, if we, if we can't draw more than five guys into the box – then that allows them to drop those six or seven guys back. And then Reggie Raglan, their linebacker, is going to spy Watson. And if you give them that opportunity, that's really going to limit Watson's running ability. Yeah, I think when I look at when I look at the matchup, I mean, we've easily, when you have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, you have Wayne Gallman, who's a hell of a running back, you have great wide receivers and a very good offensive line, you're going to have a mismatch somewhere. You're going to have advantages Throughout, and we we saw that all through ACC play, even against the better defenses in Boston College and Florida State. With Alabama, I don't really think there is one go-to advantage. You just have to have a quarterback who is dynamic in real time, who can make that decision. Whether it's a, a small window of opportunity to scramble, or if it's a wide-open receiver on a slant, we have that guy in Deshaun Watson. But I'm saying it's not going to be think we can just go to the well. Everything else is going to have to be clicking. I think this is a game, as opposed to the last one against Oklahoma, we're going to. I think, miss Deion Kane more in this one. Yeah, I, I still think, though, I guess what you're, what you're saying, Cody, is you do need to throw a lot of things at this Alabama defense, and you need to have a, a number of different weapons that they need to respect in order to be able to get any of them going. And the fortunate part is, I think, Clemson and our coaching staff, they've shown the propensity not to lean on individual guys on this offense. Um, you've seen our Tavis Scott have some great games. You've seen him have some you know, pedestrian games. Um, you, so we've, we've got a lot of guys involved. Last week against Oklahoma, we didn't hear Jermon Hopper's name called too much. Maybe he can be a major component of this offense this week. And I think where we can be successful is picking Bama apart over the middle in the short and intermediate passing games. And I think uh, this is certainly where getting maybe Artavis Scott out on the edge or Jordan Leggett, getting him heavily involved in, in the game plan here. We thought that he was going to be a big advantage against Oklahoma, and we saw him, what, I mean, he had one completion and then dropped another one. So really didn't have a big impact there. Um, but, I, again, I think <laughs> that that's one place where if we can methodically kind of move the ball down the field and be patient in the passing game and take maybe the occasional deep shot, uh, we could <clears> be successful. I, I spoke earlier with Bill Connolly, um, writer for SB Nation and all-around kind of stats guru. He was saying, I mean, ultimately Clemson needs to have the deep threat going, and they need to connect on deep balls. When Ohio State beat Alabama um, last year in the college football playoff, they had something like six plays of 25 yards plus. 
I would expect that a similar type of tally for Clemson or for us to win. Um, it's not like one or two a half. It's, you know, continuously challenging them and even scoring touchdowns on, on the deep ball. So I guess who's our who's our go-to guy there? I mean, they have a really good secondary. Who's going to be our go-to guy? Peak hasn't really shown the ability to really a lot, you know, go downfield a lot this year and, and make plays. Artavis Scott has had a couple. I mean, do we look, I mean, Deion Kane, again, that's where we miss him. Do we look to Jermon Hopper to start doing some of that? Hunter Rimfro had a good play last game. Christian Wilkins. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I think Christian Wilkins is a good guy. Let's keep War Daddy focused on stopping Derrick Henry, but I think it's among the names you mentioned for me, Sharon Peak. And I, I'm not exactly sure how Alabama's going to match up, who they're going to the, set out on Peak, but this is his time. This is, you know, last game in a Clemson uniform, likely. Time He's a impress. senior, right? Yeah. Um, you know, t- time to impress, but at the same time, like, this is. He is the man on this this offense from a receiving standpoint, um, in terms of you know playing that position. He, so he's the senior. He's not he's not a guy like Mike Williams who can choose to come back next year after in injury and take another shot at it, or any of our other wide receivers who still have eligibility left who are going to get another shot at it this year. This is his moment as our uh, from our skill position players. He's the guy. And let's not forget the guy. You know, came in as a high four star, maybe even a five star by some services. He's got four three speed, so I'd, I'd love to see more go get it. You know, high point in the ball from him. But the guy's got wills, and if if Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson's got a great deep ball, so if they can make that connection, like you said, just one time, Hunter Renfro. You know, I don't think he's caught a deep ball all year long. But he, how many times has he gotten? A he pass caught one against Louisville, actually. Did, yeah. Okay. So he got but, the one against Louisville. But he's kind of like the the three point shooter, like Steph Curry. It always draws the foul. He's he's always getting that pass. He does get a lot of PIs, and we saw uh, Alabama's cornerbacks early on in the game against Michigan State. They were prone to some PI calls, not turning around and looking for the ball. So this could be a situation where I mean, especially early on, uh, getting into the flow of the game, and it's going to be big for us, especially on offense, getting some momentum early and scoring early. So that's going to dictate the flow of the game. Well, something we saw in, in the formation that we showed in a couple of different looks against Oklahoma was a five-man receiver set where it was, you know, the standard offensive line. We had a no backfield, no tight end set, and, and five guys split out um, in a design play like that. And, you know, if we do that, I, I talked about this with Dexter McLean in our interview earlier. Does Alabama have the, the ability with their substitutions or with their linebackers to hang in coverage with? Let's see who can put out there on a five-receiver set. We can have Ray Ray McLeod. You could have Artavis Scott, you could have Sharon Peak, you could have Hunter Renfro, and or Jermon Hopper. Um, in addition to Trevion Thompson, and we're pretty darn deep at wide receiver. Well, we did mention Trevion Thompson, but uh, I'll say this about Alabama's defense. Uh, their uh, recruiting ranking is average four stars um, on that defense. So, yeah, I think they can hang. They're, listen, their secondary is, is fantastic. Um, they'll jump roots for interceptions, so that's one thing that Deshaun Watson's really going to need to right. be careful about. And also, and especially in watching the Michigan State game, they tipped and, or knocked down a lot of balls in that game, and that's another thing that Deshaun Watson has been prone to all year long. And those things, throws. you know, yeah. at, at best, those things fall to the ground. At worst, those turn into interceptions. Yeah, and I, I, I'm really, I mean, he's going to get some pressure coming at him, too. I want to see how he handles that adversity. And who knows, he might handle it like a champ, and he, he scrambles and makes all the right plays. Um, going to that Tennessee game, when I watched Josh Dobbs, everyone, you know, everyone will reference that game as a game where there was exploited, weakness, exploited weaknesses of Bama. And really, that was just Josh Dobbs making some excellent plays when he had the smallest window of opportunity. I think we'll need to see the same from Deshaun Watson. And, and not to mention, you mentioned um, he said he's going to – Deshaun Watson will have to make NFL plays. 
I, I couldn't, I mean, absolutely. Slant route, uh, slant routes to like Hunter Renfro across the middle, he's going to have to be very, very precise. We, and you know what, you, you know what really player. encourages me, and you have a little bit of leeway for mistakes with him, is that his head, his, he's rock solid. Like his mental focus and his ability to bounce back from mistakes, like I wouldn't uh, worry about him the same way I kind of maybe worried about Todd Boyd at times, where he would have a couple mistakes and then the game would just get out of hand. Like Sean Watson has that mental ability to stay focused and, and bounce back. I love you, Taj. We we do love you, Taj. We all love you, Taj. <laughs> we think you're better than C.J. Spiller. Maybe that's just me. There was a debate on our second podcast ever about. Favorite Clemson players of all time. Anyway, not to get into that. You um, should go and listen to that, by the way. It's uh, three had, guys talking to a tin can. I had touch. Anyway. So, clearly, I mean, again, Deshaun Watson's going to need to play an excellent game for this to go our way. Um, but we haven't mentioned Wayne Gollum's name. And, I, you know, I need to look back. What is the highest total Alabama has allowed on the ground for any running back? You know, they certainly stymied one Leonard Fournette at the time, the shoe-in for the Heisman. After that, we didn't really see his name in the top five of that list. They knocked the surefire Heisman completely out of the conversation is, and inserted their running back. LSU had zero passing offense, and Cam Cameron is, you know, pretty dynamic, pretty good offensive coordinator there. Uh, I think that goes to show where LSU's talent level is on offense. Deshaun Watson is not. I mean, we're leagues ahead of LSU in the passing game, and I I don't know where Gallman stacks up against Fournette, but. You know, better backs probably have been have had worse games. So let's say this. I mean, obviously, it takes a very strong and talented offensive line to make the running back. I mean, outside of Dalvin Cook, who I think uh, the guy in college football who can make things happen on his own, uh, Derrick Henry wins Heisman primarily because of his offensive line. Um, so we know coming into this game that this there's this this is no uh, secret. Alabama's defensive line is amazing. And our offensive line is not the greatest in the world. However, they have been really good this year. But we know it's going to be a disadvantage for us. How do we scheme against that? How do the coaches scheme against that? Change things around to protect against that, knowing that they're going to get pressure if we do things the, the way we normally do. Now, I keep thinking about how do you practice and how much, like, how much physicality is going into these practices. I mean, I would think, you know, just like if it were spring practice, if we were going to the first game of the year, then we would just turn our, our good on good, our first team you know, defensive line against our offensive line. But I don't know if you could do that at this point. So how do you scheme against it? I, I think the only thing you can do, it's not necessarily trying to you know, get the push like Tyrone Crowder can do, but it's just trying to keep one man, you know, have your assignment, don't miss your assignment, and, and get in front of that guy. Well, <laughs> easier said than done because yeah. you can see a lot of times you can get in front of that guy on Alabama and he'll push you three yards into the backfield right. in a split second. It's like Grady well, Jarrett from last year. Exactly. He'll, push guy, he'll push blocks to the side. Yeah, I know. Somebody, somebody said it best. I, you know, it's like they have four Shaq Lawsons on their defensive line, four Grady Jarretts. I mean, guys are good. They're really good. And, this is again, this is something where Deshaun Watson is going to need to evade that pressure and be able to make plays. It's not going to come on all three downs, let's hope. I mean... Maybe that's something where we need to get creative with blocking, um, you know, bringing guys into the backfield, utilization of our tight ends, et cetera. But um, it is, you know, it's something, guys, where if we, you know, if on the first two series we're in the stands watching this and Deshaun, you know, they're getting tons of pressure, it, expect that is what I'm saying. So, I mean, here's the thing for me. The, the wide receivers are going to need to be physical and get separation really quick because that can help you beat pressure. Because if you have guys open and available for underneath the routes to, to dump and get rid of the ball, then that's going to really put the defense, make them have a little caution for rushing you, at least with the, you know, 
yeah. with more than four guys. And so. I think that's also where the run-pass option, which is basically one of the hallmarks of Deshaun Watson's game, um, the threat of him being able to sneak out to the side or pull it down and throw the ball, like you are saying, in a quick-pass scenario, that is going to keep them honest from blitzing every play or, or rushing through the middle. Um, and that, you know, again, we've got to get, if, if it's be it Jordan Leggett, be it any of our slot guys or our Tavis Scott, um, those guys, you know, got to catch those passes. Again, put Wilkins in the slot. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at, I think of uh, rumble or um, pass protection too from the running back position. And Wayne Gallman's yeah. improved um, like dramatically this year from what he was last year. I don't think he knew what he was doing. He, was, he looked lost. I wonder if we see a little bit more of Zach Brooks in this game. If not, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be the primary guy, but he is a, a much better, more seasoned pass protector um, or blocker, we'll say. Here's the other thing I wonder, because I thought about when we were talking about schemes, is how do you get the tight ends involved to help out with the blocking? Uh, we talked about Deion Kane. Do we miss J.J. McCullough in this case? No, we would go, I think we would go with Garrett Williams if we really wanted that block first tight end. Yeah, he's seconder. We see him in there a lot. We do. I'm not sure sure where Seconder rates out in the in the blocking game versus Garrett Williams. Well, he's not in there for the passing though, and we we've seen him in there a lot. He doesn't catch any balls. <laughs> they've th- they've chosen to throw to him early on the season. He actually has a touchdown. I forget which game that was. It might have been Wake. Um, anyway, guys, I mean, I think what it's going to come down to on when Clemson's got the ball, we're probably going to need to score in the 24 to 28 range to win this game, um, and for this offense to score four touchdowns plus. Um, I feel like what's going to need to happen is not turning the ball over, um, Deshaun Watson being able to make throws, connect on throws, deep balls. Uh, I, we can win this game without establishing a run or getting any type of success. We sure can. can yeah. I, let me pick an X factor. I'm, I'm probably not the first to do this. I say Artavis Scott just because on what he can do on the outside, he's no, you know, he's no CJ Spiller in terms of making you miss or his agility. But he is really strong. He can stack up well against these Alabama secondary guys that aren't that big. And that's the thing. We've seen these guys. We, I mean, uh, Wayne Gallman, he will hit somebody. Like, he's not afraid of contact. And our our offense, our receivers are not going to be intimidated. This Clemson team is not going to be intimidated. Yeah, this is a big, bad Alabama uh, defense. These are these are grown-ass men. I mean, these are... On both sides of the these are Let's, These are like 50% bigger than any... Defensive lineman that we faced, right? It, I, I was Maybe not. Like, that's insane, but I mean, you could say Oklahoma was ready, and and that they they weren't going to get scared. But like, just like anybody, you get punched in the mouth, and like your plan goes out the window. And I'm not saying we're going to get. I, I will say, yeah, we will get punched in the mouth a little bit. How will we respond to that? Will be well. We'll make uh, or break again, us. a lot of uh, not great teams have played Alabama close this year, so they didn't get scared. I don't expect this Clemson Tiger team to get scared either. All right, <clears throat> let me flip it on its head. You're Kirby Smart. How do you game plan against this offense? Cody, I would probably I would I would start off I would I would I would, I would stack more in the box than just seven I would I'd have someone spying uh, like a safety I'd pull a safety in I would just make sure that you know from the beginning you're not gonna get you're not gonna establish a run game and then I would I would make them I'd force Deshaun Watson to beat us with his arm and then while they're probably meanwhile getting pressure with four and obviously just wear you down you're not gonna you're not gonna establish a run yeah game. if you can do the same thing that you did against Michigan State and you can get consistent pressure. With your front four and drop everybody back in coverage, have Reggie Raglan uh, spy and shadow Deshaun Watson to eliminate his running ability there. And then your secondary, I mean, you know, plays tight coverage and the wide receivers can't get separation. Yeah, all day long. Alabama's going to stop us, you know, three and outs. You're going to see a lot of three and outs. I think they're even okay with giving up a couple long balls if they they make it known that you're not going to win in the trenches. I think they're okay with that. 
Yeah, I, I think the key to us is going to be – we talked about our running game last time. What does that mean? Is our running game – is it just the Wayne train or is it him combined with Sean Watson? I think they can stuff uh, Wayne in this game, but I still think Deshaun Watson is going to need, need to be able to run the ball because I think that is a, be, a big part of this offense. Um that combined with his throwing ability, we may not get the deep ball every time. If we start to pick them apart again, over the middle, be a little bit patient, methodically move down the field, put together drives. Again, that really helps out the defense. Avoid those three and outs. Avoid the dumb mistakes. Uh, avoid penalties that really hurt MSU, by the way. Um, and sustain these drives. We don't have to score every time. We just have to keep the defense off the field, score every once in a while, and we have a great chance to win this game. I think if you break down games within the game, you know, my mind naturally, you know, moves into breaking this up into fractions. When I looked back at Alabama's season, the first quarter is so crucial, I think, for Clemson in this game. And Alabama, on average, you know, the, the total points on the scoreboard were fewer than 10 in every game all year. And most of the time, I mean, in six of their games, six of their 14 games so far this year, there are three points or fewer scored in the first quarter. I think it's critical that Clemson's put, Clemson put up points in the first quarter in this game. Uh, but I think over throughout the course of the game, I think it's very important that we win on first down and that we give ourselves a chance to convert, keep extending drives, and move it. When we were talking about Oklahoma, the big key with establishing the run and moving the ball on the ground was let's keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. Um, let's shut down what we know to be a pretty high-powered offense coming into this game. We did that successfully. Um, not only that, we, we shut them down on defense with our line play. I think for Alabama, it's let's extend drives. Like, let's, if, if running the ball, I don't expect us to do that incredibly well. I could see Clemson, though, combining for 150 yards on, on the ground, um, and I, I would consider that to be a no, win for us. I think you said it perfectly, extending drives, even if we don't score, just the flip field position. You know, pin them back. Mm-hmm. You know, on and that's their, the game on, they on their, play. On their five, exactly, on their five-yard line. But don't go three and out from your 20 and give them the ball on their 40. Give them a short field. And they, they have done a great job in the red zone, and we haven't done a great job. For as good of an offense as we are, we're not a great red zone offense. Play calling has been a little suspect. I think we get a little too cute at times. I think we yeah. see if something's working, moving down the field, stick with it. And I, I don't throw it at Christian Wilkins. For one, I actually see that correcting itself in this game. Not correcting itself, but I see our coaches not getting too cute with play calling in the red zone in this game. Um, maybe we're able to move the ball with, I don't want to use the word gimmicky, but, you know, with unconventional play calling it's, it's to get a, into the zone. It's a fine line because the way you saw them ha- have that trick play on that punt, you don't want them to get too tight either and get away from their personality and what brought us here. So, I mean, they, they run those plays for a reason. You know, maybe they don't work every time, but listen, um, they're 14-0. So for 13-1. Oh, you mean Clemson's 14-0. Yeah. So I think, you know, you talk about X-Factor being Artavis Scott – for me, this one's going to come down with come down to protection and Deshaun Watson's ability to make throws and hopefully open things up where we can run the ball. Do right. you agree? No, absolutely. I, I think that's. I mean, I pick Artavis Sky just because I think he's the one guy on the outside that physically matches up with maybe a, an outside linebacker or at least their secondary. Who you know he might get hit. He might get hit at the line of scrimmage, but he's a guy that can extend. Uh, extend the play for a couple extra yards. That's why I pick him as my X-Factor. You're, you're exactly right. It's going to come all down to Deshaun, Wat- Deshaun Watson's accuracy and how well that they can protect him. I got, I've got Greg Hugel. 
I think he's going to have to make four field goals in this game. I think we'll be able to drive the ball, but we're going to need to be able to depend on him if we can't get a pass to 30 to knock down some field goals to put points on the board when we get on their side of the field. I can see that. I think for me, I want to, I want to overemphasize um, the deep ball and the impact that us connecting on those plays, the effect that's going to have on their linebackers and safeties, um, having to truly respect and you know, open up opportunities where they are going to only need to send four. Um, against our O-line and against our blockers. So um, those are maybe the keys on offense, and you know we can certainly re- revisit some of that when we get to prediction time, but let's flip it on, on, on its head. No, um, no, 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 yeah, last thing on what you just said. Bottom line, if they can consistently get pressure with their only their front four all night long, we're doomed. And if we see that early, I mean, let me ask you, how – how do you change the play calling to overcome that? Um, if I knew that, I'd be coaching Max college protect. football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are things you can do. Again, like I said, you can, you can move the pocket. Incorporating yeah. tight ends into the blocking right. scheme, bringing in some extra blockers. So that, that you can, just, you can run that, the, that Honestly, Clemson means, can run the triple option. I'm not even joking. Like, we can... We don't have the, the B or whatever they call it. We don't have the dialed up for uh, Kelly Bryant. Um, oh, man. <laughs> if we're, we're souping to bringing... I don't want to say stooping, but if we're if we're relying on Kelly Bryant, who knows? I mean, could matter here, but I, you know, again, I think there's what this offense is very dynamic. It can beat you in multiple ways. We figured out against Boston College we were not going to run early, put up over 500 yards through the air. It's we funny. beat other teams on the ground like Oklahoma. Like they're this Clemson team is adaptable, and that that gives me hope in a game that. I think, and let's flip over to defense, or Cody's going to you know, freak out. It's, it's funny, we, though. <laughs> we, we can win in multiple ways, and we're adaptable. It's so. funny, though. This is the first time that it seems that we've been scared that our offense can't put up points all year, can't move the ball. Well, this is the first historically good defense we faced all year, too. Boston College was good. No, so, th- can we talk about defense? Absolutely. Because, I, think- I mean, they're obviously, I, I think... Our defensive success will go a long way to giving Deshaun or putting Deshaun Watson into the place. That's well, see, I think vice versa. I think our offense, and again, I've said this many times before, helps out our defense. If our offense stalls and and can't and goes three and out, then our defense will be put in a bad position. Now, if the defense is, doesn't have to be on the field as much, this is a very good defense as well. Like we, we may not have the depth, but they showed it again in the Oklahoma game after all this rest we had off. This defense is very good. Well, let me say, I would love to be in a position where the offense could give us maybe two two scores early, go up ten nothing, fourteen nothing, and and now they're relying a little bit on Jay Coker to beat us through the year. That that would be the optimal position to be in in like a late or early uh, third quarter. I think what Clemson's let's talk about Clemson's defense here. What they did to Oklahoma, what they can do. Uh, Alabama's offensive line is very solid. They're very solid at. Preventing sacks, very solid at obviously enabling they, Derrick Henry. Yeah, they Heisman. They produced the Heisman winner. Listen, this Bama line, they're they're all six foot, three hundred pounds plus. It's the best O line we've faced all year. So maybe let's at this point move to matchups. What matchups do you think where do you think Clemson can make its bones against this O line? Well, I, maybe I don't think uh, just against the O line, but even Michigan State was was good about this, getting some pressure at least around the edges. Um and you talked about this earlier, how Bama's kind of a slow starter in games. Um, Bama's offense has struggled on third down all year long, um, especially third and long. And this is a place where Clemson's defense has really thrived. I think we had the best third down defense um, all year long. So 
the the main key kind of leading into this is limit big gains early on. Put Bama in third and long situations and get some pressure on Coker, and you're going to be successful. As long as we can stay, you know, aren't the defense isn't having to be out there all the time, and these guys can stay rested, I think we have a really good shot of shutting them down. And Clemson, from a statistics standpoint, Clemson's run defense is better than Michigan State. Outside of two run plays, Michigan State absolutely shut down Derrick Henry. I need to go back and look at rushing attempts. I think the way, from what I recall um, in my uh, revelatory stupor following the Clemson win, watching that game last week, um, was I just thought Alabama dominated them um, through the air. And it wasn't necessarily that they were actually trying that hard to establish it's, a run game. It's they be, didn't need to. It's because they couldn't, Michigan State couldn't get pressure up the middle, which I think is going to be big for us in this game. If our tackles, Do you mean on passing downs? Um, and even at all. They did, yeah, well, yes, because they did stuff the run. They did bottle up the run up the middle. Right. And if you can get Derrick Henry running sideways, his lateral quickness and speed is not that good. That's not where he's strong. He's a great downhill runner. I would put, I guess, Leonard Fournette and him maybe is the, the, the two best in college football. Along those lines, Dalvin Cook being the guy that can be very shifty. Wayne, Wayne Gallman, even to a certain extent, has shown an improvement on that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's really getting pressure up the middle. Uh, Michigan State did get some pressure around the ends, but Coker always had somebody to dump it off to. Um, and again, this is where our linebackers in coverage is going to be big. I, what I'm really interested to see is how Brent Venables plays this. I, I don't think he's... I think we face better offenses or things that keep him a little bit more up at night. Granted, this is a national championship. Well, for one, we have Venables versus Lane Kiffin. I like to think that Venables wins that every time. Man. But that's not, you know, it's not always the case. What I'll think about Venables is how, how does he play, play this with J. Ron Curse? Is he putting him in the box? Is he going to commit to stopping their run and, beating, and making sure Derrick Henry doesn't beat them? and put a lot of confidence in the secondary to stop their receivers in man coverage. That's the thing. Michigan State didn't have to do that, though. They really did bottle up Henry up the middle, and I, I'm sorry. I would have to think that our interior defensive line is better than theirs. Yeah, I think you know, I think we're completely <clears throat> capable, but I, I still think you might need to commit an extra man. In, that, in, in like the case of like the Oklahoma game, Jaron Curse was playing in that nickel position. And I wonder if he plays it that way or if he and, and puts Mac on the island. Yeah, and, I'm, and, and I totally agree. I, I think as, as long as we can stay committed, we can stay committed to stopping the run and stay physical and succeed at that as long as this defense isn't overtaxed and, and gets tired. Right, and I, I do believe that at least from their best receiver, our best corner, we do get the advantage there with Mac Alexander on Calvin Ridley. What's, what's interesting, ESPN said the best player in the game. And I thought they were either going to say Deshaun Watson or Derrick Henry, maybe even one of uh, Alabama's defensive linemen. I think two guys said that Calvin Ridley is the best player on the field, which I, I, the guy's good. What about he, Cyrus Jones? Right. And I mean, from an impact standpoint, they're – anyway. Rid- no, Ridley's I, good. Ridley is good, and he can high point the ball. That's one of his major advantages over Deshaun Watson. But I was, I was really surprised to hear that. Right. It's interesting. I mean, great. And they probably would have argued the same thing with Will Fuller. He would have been the key in the Notre Dame game. Completely shut him down. Um, other matchups this season, I mean, I think this is Max' showcase performance that we're, we're setting up here. Rumor, he hasn't talked about going pro yet. He's saying, like, look, I'm focused on this, this game. He's going pro. He's going pro, right? And what better way on what larger – there's no larger stage. Does he get his pick this game? And, Do we know, get our shots? Calvin Ridley is a true fr- – oh, yeah, you're going to get your shots <laughs> when you get back. Everyone will get shots if, if he gets a pick. Now, Calvin Ridley is a, he's a true freshman, but he's 21, and I think some of the guys are making a joke. Right. Uh, 
did he did he go you know going on, on a mission Mormon mission or did he go serve like a you know and we don't know overseas? the answer to that maybe he maybe he did and we're just talking out our ass here yeah I was like 26 when I graduated college the first time so you know whatever yeah but you were architecture <laughs> so yeah I'm not making fun of the kid but uh, I guess the point being this guy's the no. same age as Mac even though he's a freshman. You know, he's damn good. He could probably declare for the NFL draft if he didn't have two more years to, to have to endure. Oh, yeah, you can be a really great freshman wide receiver. That's Sammy Watkins. He kind of, frankly, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Sammy Watkins, maybe with a little bit of Deion Kane mixed in, a little bit more of a probably 6'2", a little bit bigger target. But you're right, this okay. could be Max coming out party. So are we? how confident are you in our ability to play one-on-one man coverage in the secondary? I'm Pretty confident. I'll, I'll say this: I'm okay if we're, we leave this we're, game. We're gonna have to be. If we, you're right. I, I think you don't have another choice. If we leave this game and said and say, "Damn, Calvin Ridley was the guy that beat us," I think I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with saying Derrick Henry. We couldn't stop him. He ran for 180 yards, three touchdowns. That that bothers me. Yeah, especially the way that Clemson has dismantled and shut down running backs all year. I can hear you, Florida State fans. After Dalvin Cook's first two series, neutralized. I think Dalvin yeah. Cook was the best running back in the country. Could well be. And be again, with I, I'm with you, Cody. I mean, I think that's a good good perspective to take on this is how does this team beat us? You know, if, if they end up sacking Deshaun Watson five, six, seven times and they establish an early lead and kind of squeeze the life out of us late, can you really be – I mean, of course we could be disappointed and brokenhearted about this, but that's kind of what they do. This is how Bama wins games. You mentioned that they always are, like, low scoring and close at halftime. It's because their defense where like doesn't let you do anything on offense, and then your defense is out on the field, and they eventually get tired, and they eventually start scoring. That's exactly what happened in the Michigan State game. Right, and our guy from SB Nation, um, what a podcast? What's it called? Podcast? Ain't played nobody. Ain't played nobody. <laughs> good, good friends, Stephen Godfrey and Bill Connolly. They do a great job. But Godfrey was saying that they we desperately college football desperately needs Clemson to win. Because what Alabama does is, and more or less, he didn't say this, but it's, it's more or less, it's, it's a little bit boring. They just strangle you to death, and eventually you just cave in. And they act like there's some kind of secret sauce to what Nick Saban's doing. And, you know, and Godfrey said, you know, he's recruiting the best players, and he's, and he's the most organized. And there's some guys out there that they recruit the best players, but they're not as organized. And there's some other guys that out there that can match his uh, organization, but they don't recruit the best players. Uh, he just, he's created a system where he really gets almost more or less the first top-ranked recruiting class every year. He beats you up in the trenches, and just like a boa constrictor, throughout a game, throughout a season, just wears you down. He did hire Lane Kiffin, so that's one questionable call, I would say. That's a great point. <clears throat> and, I mean, they've, they've lost, what, three games in the last two years? I mean, Lane Kiffin's been doing a good enough job putting, putting points on the board. Um, I think before that they had on offense um, Jim McElwain, who has done okay for himself. Granted, that's with Will Muschamp's guys at Florida, but, you know, it's fun to make fun of Lane Kiffin. The guy is kind of, you it's, know. It's really fun, though. <laughs> super fun. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's something we haven't talked about in defense. Like, uh, one thing that Bill Connolly mentioned was what Lane Kiffin does, they'll quickly abandon their plan A on offense. They'll try to establish the run up the middle. If that doesn't work, they'll find ways to pick at the, the sides of your line or... Um, passes over the middle, screen play, you know, screen plays or deep balls. Like, you know, he he does find the way to adapt and, and figure but, out what you're giving them. But sometimes they can get too cute, and and that can be the, their downfall on offense. Now, 
they went into the Michigan State game with a clear plan, and it worked. I mean, or, or at least they didn't have to abandon you t- too quickly because it became very clear after not long in that game that Michigan State was not going to score all the game long. They didn't use Derrick Henry a lot, really. You know, he put up less than 100 yards. They didn't use him a lot early on, and they were just able kind of to stick to their game plan. Um, so as long as, you know, I mean, for, for the Clemson defense to succeed here, I mean, again, it goes back to, uh, and I'll keep driving this home, the offense cannot put them in bad situations, but otherwise, when we get pressure up the middle uh, consistently, I really think we can cripple their offense. Ben, name me your two key players from a performance standpoint on our defense in this game. Must have a good game for us to win. Oh, um, I think, uh, well, number one, how healthy is Shaq Lawson? Right. You know, we hear he's going to play in this game, but I, mean, I think that's a big deal. How healthy is Shaq Lawson? And then I think uh, our is it that essential that we we get a pass rush though from Shaq Lawson? I think so. We got to put pressure on Coker. And it doesn't look good, by the way. I mean, it seems like Dabo's a little bit more optimistic than Shaq was. It seemed like Shaq just knew he couldn't go. If if we were to play tomorrow, Shaq couldn't go. And this was Tuesday, so hopefully it's healed. But we're talking about an MCL sprain. Anyway, no, that's a great great starting point though, Ben Shaq Lawson. Yeah, I I think him for sure. I think. uh, our linebackers, especially, um, are going to have to, you know, they're going to have to play the gaps and be very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disciplined um, in, in, in what their assignments are, uh, especially against Derrick Henry in the run game. I mean, if you start letting those offensive linemen, again, those six-foot, 300-plus-pound offensive linemen get into the second level of the defense, then Henry really is going to start running all over us. For me, it's two players, Mac Alexander, DJ Reader. If we can stop the run up the middle with with our base front, um, and we can prevent Calvin Ridley from burning us, then I think we can we can do what we need to to shut down Jay Coker elsewhere in our offense. Um, if you stop Derrick Henry, you know, then Coker's got to beat you with his arm. If you shut down Calvin Ridley, his primary option, and they will take shots they down the field. They're going to take shots down the field. They'll enough. do it early to gain momentum on favorable uh, downs to distances and uh, to to drive the dagger in and put the game away. Uh, if they're up like 17 nothing in the third quarter, you know, throw a big pass, put up 24, and you're done. I don't know if Clemson's going to win this game based on sacks, I guess is what I'm saying. I think we're going to win this game on defense based on not letting them score points. And you don't need sacks. You do need three and outs. You do need third and longs to be able to flip the field um, and to be able to uh, make I, Jay Coker beat you. I just I think we're gonna I don't know win. about Shaq. I, I think, think we're okay. I think we're going to win this game on defense on offense. On defense, on not well, yeah. On our offense. Oh, okay, gotcha. I'll say this, Jake Coker. Oh, yeah. Hold on, say that again. I think we're gonna win this game on defense based on, on the play of our offense. Based on the play of our offense. Listen, if okay. we can score, if our offense field can position. score, just field position. Field position and putting points on the board, and we win this game. Possession. This isn't gonna be a forty something to forty something shootout against Alabama. If our offense, you said it earlier, you, you gave us a score. You said 20-something points. I would say if we can get 28 range or above, maybe above 25, we score that much on offense, that gives us a damn good chance to win this game. Totally agree. And let me – I was just going to mention an X factor for Alabama, and this is odd, but their quarterback is a huge X factor for them. 100%. I mean, that's never, that should never be an X factor in a game. You know, your quarterback <laughs> is your quarterback. But for Alabama, he's an X factor. If he plays the way he played against Michigan State, I don't – well, there's a way okay. we can beat them. And he is not Treon Harris. People. He didn't play. He is not Florida's quarterback that, you know, and Treon Harris, I think, is a freshman this year for Florida. You know, don't want to dance on anyone's grave here, but Jay Coker is certainly capable of throwing the ball and beating you. He just crushed Michigan State. 
very good defense. Um, is that more to do with his wide receivers and the time that he has to complete I, passes, I, more so than him being a good quarterback? All of the above, but also it's the fact that Michigan State sold out their defense to stop the run. And they, they left their guys completely open to Alabama's athletes. Let's take a look at the history, recent history of Alabama quarterbacks, A.J. McCarron. Sims McElroy from last year McElroy well, in fairness I don't really like Deshaun being compared to Taj Boyd so right. like I, let's look at him as on his it, own merit yeah exactly I, I do I think you're right I mean I think if Coker plays out of his mind we could have the same game as Michigan State potentially at least on our defensive side of the ball I I like our defense and our secondary better than I liked Michigan State's big benefit for the Clemson defense is that Coker is not a big scrambler um, and Clemson has shown weaknesses at times to scrambling quarterbacks, as most teams do. That's that's huge. And I think Brent Venables is going to be more aggressive than Michigan State's defense. I, I think he's going to send some pressure. I think he'll be very cognizant and focused on stopping Derrick Henry. That'll be priority number one. But I need to play behind the line of scrimmage. But yeah, he wants to, right. he wants to he wants to send get some pressure on on Coker and make force Coker into some bad decisions, we, which he's made. If we get year. opportunities, right. especially in early downs, uh, to hit them in the backfield, we've got to wrap up and get them down. We can't let them break those tackles. And, and Henry, by the way, just a quick thought on him. If you don't hit him in the backfield, if he gets a running start and he, you catch him at you know five yards later, yeah. he's going to turn that into 10. The to dude, 10. He looks he's like a, Cam Newton. He's a downhill runner, absolutely. You get him going side to side, different story. But if he hits <laughs> you straight on moving forward... You're going to fall back several yards. So, yeah, Ben Bowler and Goodson better be very disciplined. I hope that's okay up. for Ben. <laughs> well, another 10-11 another days rest in between certainly can't hurt that. They um, did that to P. Ryan. They were physical against they took both him and Mixon, two very physical running backs, out of the game. Well, and to this point, Derrick Henry's run the ball 359 times this season. That is an incredibly high number. That's probably approaching some records in terms of number of attempts. Um and how prolific that is, I feel like could we see some wear and tear on Henry? A lot of people talk about he gets better as the game goes on. He hasn't gotten dinged up to date, but that's got to catch up at some point. There have been guys, you know, in throughout the NFL that they get they get they pack on the yards like Demarco Murray. He yeah. had a terrible year this year. That's, that's Dallas ran him into the ground last year. That's well, that's in part due to Chip Kelly and his offense he ran in uh, <laughs> Philadelphia. But again, uh, not in the last game of the year, not in the national championship game. I don't think that happens. Uh, you're not going to see any any slowing down from Derrick Henry just because he has 359 carries on the year, not in the last game, the biggest game of the year. Yeah, typically those drop-offs don't happen mid-season or you know, between from game to game. I don't know. The only, yeah, the only hope there is that Ben Bulware, B.J. Goodson, could hit him, hit him a few times, you know, maybe at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage to get in his head a little bit. Aside from that, the guy, I don't see him breaking down. Cody, you mentioned that um, Jay Coker is prone to throwing inter- interceptions. Is that, like, how often does that happen? Have you looked into that? I, no, I don't have the stats in front of me. I, I just don't. I, the games that I've watched, he doesn't look he's terribly accurate. He seems like he's more like the system quarterback that Alabama typically brings out i think ben's looking it up i'd be interested to know um well he had three interceptions in that game that they lost to michigan or sorry two interceptions in that game to the uh, that they lost to old miss what's interesting is clemson forced in our last game against ou baker mayfield not they don't they didn't turn the ball over all year they had five all year he threw two against us our linebackers caught those those were not not secondary he's got three less interceptions than deshaun watson who has a lot God love him, but uh, he's got he's got quite a few. Anyway, we need to we need to wrap up the defense here um, for Clemson. You guys talked about your I guess Ben and I talked about our key players, Cody, 
wrap it up for us. Who's got to have a career game for Clemson to have a shot keeping Alabama off the board? We'll say obviously Mac and Shaq. Those are the two that jump out at you. But maybe someone that's like kind of landing unsung. Unsung hero would probably be Cordero Tankersley, um, and then I'm gonna go with Christian Wilkins up the middle. I, I think he's the one tackle that he he's got the best feet who could actually get some pressure up the middle on uh, Jay Coker. Yeah, I think Christian Wilkins in the slot <laughs> <clears throat> on special teams. I'm not expecting him to have any more pass uh, pass attempts or catches. We'll see though. Um, so maybe the parting thought, you know, we always treat special teams as an afterthought. I don't think in this game we should. Against Oklahoma, Clemson was much improved on coverage. Greg Hugel having to take over kickoff duties, resuming his PAT duties um, that Ammon Lakeup had previously taken over um, before getting suspended for a second time this season. Thank you. Um, I think special teams could become a factor in this game, and it's nice to see Clemson coming out of the long bowl break show some competency both in the coverage game and the kicking game. I just think what Alabama brings to the table, especially when it comes to punt coverage and punt returning, in a game where they are going to try to force punts, that we know that's going to be a field position battle, that is something that could become, not going to overuse the term X factor, but that could impact the outcome of this game or the flow of the game. I think that's something that I'm hoping that the coaches spend a lot of time on this week. Well, how great was it to see one Hugo add like ten to fifteen yards to his kicks? I wasn't listen. I wasn't worried about the extra points coming into the Oklahoma game with Lake of suspension. I was worried about um, kicking the ball off, and Hugo consistently put the ball at like the goal line or five yards deep into the end zone. So that was fantastic to see. My biggest concern with Hugo, even though he's been great all year, you know, he's I think a freshman all freshman uh, ACC. Um, uh, All-American, too. All-American, all yeah. By yeah. one service, uh, Freshman All-American or, or whatever, kicking field goals. Um, I still don't know if, if I... I, I sh- really don't trust him all that much, kicking over 45 yards. And if... This is effectively in a dome. A little bit different scenario than... But he doesn't drive Miami. the ball. Like, his his balls are beautiful. Aside from the one that he had wide right, I think, against Oklahoma. Like, for the most part, they're right down the middle. But do you see him driving the ball? Like, do you really trust him... Yet, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not saying that we won't. He's a freshman, but do you think if the game comes down to it, it's on the line, he has to kick a 47-yard field goal, which is his max on the year? Do you, how, how good are you going to feel about that? If it was Catman, clearly you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's going to make it no problem. <clears throat> I trust that more than a Hail Mary. 49, 51 well, yards, no. No, I mean, yes, that's a good point. I'm saying that, uh, I, I, yeah. I'm trying to give him credit for the, number one, improving uh, hugely on his kickoffs. Um and that he has been solid all year kicking field goals. I just really don't want this to come down to a last-second field goal. I'll say time of possession. I know you talked about earlier, Ben, um, kicking aside, time of possession. It's, it's giving our defense a chance to get rest. Um, and, and, you know, us having some sustained drives, even in the case, and even in when we, even in the case that we have to uh, kick a punt. And I think that plays hand-in-hand hand to field position because even if we're uh, not scoring every time, but we can at least – you know, be neutral in time of possession, even on uh, in the field position battle period. Uh, Teasdall has not punted great all year. He's averaging 39 yards a punt on the year. Alabama has a really good punter. Um, he's averaging close to 45. He punted really well against the Michigan State game, drove them back deep. Again, this is going to be a field position battle, I think, because we're not going to get, we're not going to see this, go, this score go into the 40s or even the high 30s, I don't think. 
Right, maybe one X factor on special teams, and I don't know if this will be the case, would be Ray Ray McLeod on, on kickoff return. I'd love to see him. I think he's one guy. He can make a guy miss, and he's got that. Um, he, he's electric, and he's probably the one guy on our team that can be that guy. But do you so. think they're going to put him back there? I don't think he was back there against Oklahoma. I think we saw Fuller and Fuller. Uh, Scott. Could be kickoff, could be punt. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I, I, but I agree with you. I think we do need to get the ball into his hands more. I don't wonder if... Um, not using him in the Oklahoma uh, game as much uh, was uh, partly, uh, you know, doing. He's, he's injured. injured. Yeah, yeah, he's injured. Well, he's recovering for that. But if you got, if you don't need him, you know, keep that in your back pocket, right? Keep your. It's true. Don't show your cards. Just the way Artavis Scott can be an X factor. He can in that same role. I think there's a reason they don't use him on kickoffs because he could be a turnover liability. Right. Right. So turnover aside, um, I guess moving on to. Well, I mean, part of the reason, all right, let's, let's end special teams at this. Uh, part of the reason we haven't done a lot of returns this year is we trust our offense to take the ball and run down the, and, and go down the field and score. Does that philosophy change in this game where we're playing the best defense we've faced all year long and you're not going to be able to trust them to do that every time? Do we to take more chances in the return game? Honestly, I don't have an answer to that. I'm not sure. I think, uh, you know, my, my gut is that we err on the side of the caution and, and not turn the ball over. Well, if it's Fuller back there, there's not much of a, an option that there. He looks like again. He looks like he's, he's running on a ten yard carry, ten yard dive up the middle, and he gets to the ten yard line. So if we catch the ball in the end zone, need the ball. Right. Agreed. Guys, time for predictions. Um, looking at it, this game, not what do you hope happens. What in your heart of hearts and your gut do you see happening in this game? America needs Clemson to win. We are America's team. We need we need this. Um, uh, college football needs it. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, again, he, it's going to come down to him. He's going to have to be great. Maybe his best game of the year. I said that against Oklahoma. Um, what do I think is going to happen? Uh, I'm going to go 31-21. We're going to beat them. We're going we're gonna to wear them down on offense, show them something they haven't seen, and our defense is going to play lights out and be dominant in the trenches. I don't care about America. I need Clemson to win. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I'm pretty sure the first thing that I ever wanted in life was, uh, to, that I knew that I wanted in life for sure was to play football for Clemson. Then I played peewee football and realized that uh, getting hit by uh, uh, bigger and stronger people wasn't fun at all. So then you started kicking, right? Uh, no, then I was, <laughs> like, I was going to be an architect who would just watch Clemson football. And then the one thing that I really wanted... one arm for that and two eyes. Yeah. Then the one thing that I wanted in life was to see Clemson play and win in a national championship. I get the first part of that. And um, I'm really excited to, to just be able to go to this game and just watch it and, and see how it turns out. So when I'm trying to kind of pull my mo- emotions aside from that. Um, again, I- I'm going to go back to how our offense does. I, I think the, the Bama offense isn't, doesn't scare me. I think their defense puts their offense in really good situations. And it's op- the opposite for Clemson. Uh, the Clemson offense takes the pressure off the Clemson defense. So I think it really comes down to we need to move the ball on offense and score on them and don't t- turn the ball over. It's squarely on our offense. If our offense is successful, we win the game. If not, they're going to wear down our defense and they're going to run away with it. One last comparison, and then totally I'll you know, kick it to you. Mm. I said at the beginning of the year, I com- compared this team to Cam Newton and the Auburn team from 2010, and not, functionally we're not, that, we're not very similar. One, one way that we are similar is our quarterback has led, a, led us all the way, the way that Cam Newton led them all the way. So, again, going back, Sean Watson's going to have to be great. But that's why I see us be a national championship. So the best player is not Calvin Ridley. It's, it's just Sean Watson, and that's ultimately what will be the uh, deciding factor. 
you mentioned Cam Newton. His Auburn team matched up. Was it against Oregon? Oregon. Completely different team. Chip Kelly, again, yeah. I mean, you're obviously not saying this is a proxy for that matchup. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, as Clemson, we are Texas. Alabama's USC. Ten years ago, USC-Texas. You guys all remember Vince Young scored on a fourth and fourth and six, maybe. Maybe fourth and goal. Anyway, long story short, one of the best games of all time. I still think that Boise State-Oklahoma game is the best college football play game I've ever seen played. Um, if we can have the type of game that Texas had, forcing star players, Heisman Trophy winners to fumble footballs, get in their head, show them that we are up to the task, I think we can beat this Alabama team, not only on the field, but between the ears. And we can do that by winning first down, winning the first quarter, and just showing them that, no, this is not... You can make fun of the ACC all you want, but this is not... We are not Wake Forest. We're not UVA. We're not Duke. This is Clemson. We are legitimate. You know, we've got one of your guys as our head coach, um, and I say that with all due respect. You know, I think we can do this. I and love the emotion here. What's your score? Right now, if I had to, if I had to say a score, this is crazy. Thirty-five, seventeen, Clemson. Nice. We're not You're, going for a, a so I got us thirty to twenty-seven. Um, I had thirty-one, twenty-one. You said thirty-one, twenty-one. Yet let, let me let me let me throw this out here. You did say you thought Alabama was the best team in the country. Yeah. I do, too. I actually think right now... Ben, I think you're confused with what we're saying here. They're the, yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry to interrupt you, Tully. You're, but they are. They have proven on the field on both position or uh, both the offense and defense that they are better. They have they've performed at a, executed at a higher level. So on, on, a, on a given day, when we're playing at our highest level, Deshaun Watson playing at his highest level, we can beat them. But does that not make us? So what do you say, like it, three out of ten times? Why is this the time? I think we're – it's not that we're evenly matched. It's not that we match up well with them or they match up well against us. I think they are playing they – are, they are the best team in the country the way they're playing right now. However, I think we, we have basically the antidote to what they bring. And I think Clemson has enough to in the tank to beat Alabama six out of ten times. And I think we will this game. That doesn't mean, and again, like we're, I don't want to downplay Clemson's skill, ability, anything like that. Like I am, I'm all in. However, you know, I'll go back and say like Alabama has historically good front seven. They have a Heisman winner that broke a Herschel Walker record. And that's not just because of his O-line. That guy can run the damn ball. He gets in the open field. He doesn't have his O-line up there. He's making those plays. He's extending those, those plays. I just think, we can do this. And another part, they're they're not turnover prone. We have been somewhat turnover prone. We you know we're plus or minus two I think on the year. Another part, we're a little bit more. We make more mistakes. We're not as disciplined. That, that could be another reason. Um, I'll say I, I do like your comparison totally to Texas USC. It's not necessarily a proxy by the, the actual matchup or the USC team compared to Alabama, but it is similar in the way that everyone was riding off uh, Texas in that game. But one star yeah, player USC came was the, the empire, and they, they won the previous two years. Yeah, they had won two. Yeah, or it was two, out of two three. years. Yeah, mm-hmm. similar case here. No one gave Texas a chance. And there really weren't that big of a difference when, when they were on the field. Vince Young lost the Heisman to Reggie Bush, a running oh, back. Oh, wow. That, that, that makes it. Not to, you know, not to perpetuate that comparison, but. I think Clemson's the best team in the country, and I think Clemson's going to win this football game. <laughs> um, you know. We could go on for the next ten minutes about why you think they're better. <laughs> yeah, this is the first. This is the first opportunity in my lifetime to say that, and I'm sure as hell going to say that. It may be a little homerish, and you know what? 
Next year when we have this opportunity again, maybe I'll be more objective. You know? <laughs> Probably not. It's cool. <laughs> hey, and part of that, it's not hedging on our part either. You know, and how much better is Alabama than Clemson? Like, who knows? Like, you know, there's not enough fractions to, to quantify it. Um, I, I'm inclined to trust what some of the advanced stats say. I hate the word, but the eye test, et cetera. Again, I'm, I believe we're going to do this, and I think we're going to, again, I, I picked an 18-point win by us. I think we are going to find a way to score points. This is a long game. That's and a hell of a score way to early, be the best team in the country. We can score early. You know, can Alabama catch up to us? I don't think so, especially with the secondary that we've got. Again, that is, that's projecting a game where we, we effectively do jump on the board early. No, you're right about that. If we can jump on the board early, I don't think this is a team that can throw the ball down the field on us and, and come back like a lot of the other teams that we played this year. It, the, other, the other type of game, we can talk about game styles and what's going to happen here. The other type of game that I think benefits Clemson is throw everything out the window. The Florida State-Auburn game two years ago. What a crazy game. I think Florida State had a crazy lead in the first, by halftime. Auburn came all the way back. Um, maybe it was, the, that was the opposite, the opposite way. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, all I'm saying is in a game where, you know, the norm goes out the window, game plans go out the window and it's, it's talent on talent. I think Clemson has shown the ability to be adaptable and win in multiple ways on the offensive side and on the defensive side, eliminate strengths from the opponent in a way that I trust our coaches. I trust our ability to adapt, um, and put the ball in number four's hands right there with you. Prediction, Cody. What do you got? So I, I'm I'm sticking with 31-21. Uh, I, I won't add any more to it. I think we beat it. We beat it to death. If you're still listening, um, <laughs> then thank you. And if you're from Alabama, which we have got an uptick in listeners there, then wow, I'm impressed. We've used a lot Bulletin of bulletin board words. material here. We I, I can't believe you guys have it by 10 and 18. I mean, like, if we did, Alabama is a great football team. It's going to be a close, hard-fought game. I don't expect a blowout on either side of the ball. But we're all picking pretty high-scoring games. I mean, if I was going to throw an alternative out there, I mean, can we win, guys? Can we win like a thirteen to nine game? That's weird. Nah, have we done that all year? We could. We but won our Florida, 13 Florida State, State right? and Notre Dame were. God, I hope we don't win thirteen to nine. I'd be embarrassed. I could give a shit if we win. <laughs> we could win three to two, and I could care less. I, I just don't see. Man, if this Clemson team puts up thirteen or nine, that's, that's a not, shock. That's not how this Clemson football team went. This football, this Clemson football team wins games. It's not going to be thirteen or nine. We'll score into the twenties at least if we win the game. All right, you guys have heard our predictions here. Um, we will be two of the three of us watching in person. Um, for those of those of you guys that will be in attendance, um, we will be tailgating. We've got an RV going down in the game from the Bay Area. Uh, we're going to stop in Death Valley, pick up some rocks. Uh, for good good luck, good karma, and make our way to the stadium. Um, we will be doing a tailgate. We'll put some information about that. We'd love to have anybody listening come by, including you Bama fans. Love to serve you guys some beers um, as well. So come by. We'll be putting info about our location, time, and all that stuff on Twitter. Follow us at um, we're at, at Clemson Podcast on Twitter. And we, talked, we, we, we talk a lot about the beer that we drink on this program, so I'll put this out there. Uh, if it's somebody that I don't know or somebody anybody's associated with, you know, doesn't know, if you come and find us, we talked a lot about Pliny the Elder, which what we think is one of the best beers we ever had. You can really only get it in California and Colorado. We'll have one in the tank for you. Okay, come find us. Say you listen to the Clemson podcast and you're there for the Pliny the Elder. 
Sounds like a deal. I just want to say, you know, game aside, because unfortunately I'm not going to be there. Clemson's undefeated since the Clemson podcast launched, so we're going to stay in business here. How convenient. Yeah. Thanks to all our listeners, by the way. Yeah, we appreciate um, all the support, the follows, the subscriptions all season. Um, You know, we do this for you guys. It's been fun to nerd out on Clemson with some mics in front of us, and um, we appreciate all the comments you guys give us on Shaking the Southland, Twitter, et cetera. Um, You know, if you want to keep up with us, keep track. Uh, We've got a couple of great interviews going up alongside this preview. Um, we, we got Bill C. from SB Nation and uh, Clemson legend Dexter McLean. We thank those guys very much for their support and coming on. Take a look at those. Make sure you're subscribed to us so you don't miss any of our content going forward. Uh, we will be recording during the offseason. Always football news to talk about, as well as other Clemson sports. You guys know where to find us online. Um, and one more time, you know, Clemson going away. We've got, you know, if you add up our, our totals here, you know, we're pretty confident in a win here. Um, a lot of that's what we think will happen. A lot of that's wishful thinking, but we haven't we haven't picked us to lose all year. Why start now? Yeah, unlike our Kirk Herb streak, or I'm sorry, Lee Corso, we're batting 100. percent Indeed, uh, <laughs> well said, and we will end it there. Thank you guys one more time. Go Tigers. <laughs>